Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another glitch in the vaccine rollout. We are not sure whether we are getting vaccine or no. Pharmacies blindsided by high demand and a bungled booking process. Whistler's season ends with a whimper. It's been a mix of emotions. It feels like Groundhog Day. The economic blow to BC's COVID hotspots. And shocking video of a racist tirade. The coffee shop incident that left employees rattled. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us tonight. Chris is off tonight. Thousands of British Columbians are getting their vaccines a little earlier than they expected. With AstraZeneca no longer being used in the under 55 age group, the province decided instead to offer the shots to people 55 to 64 at lower mainland pharmacies. But as Richard Zussman reports, that prompted a mad rush and a lot of frustration. A vaccine scramble, 13,500 doses of AstraZeneca vaccine available, hundreds of thousands of eligible Metro Vancouverites between the ages of 55 and 64. Non-stop, busy, 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 busy from 9 o'clock, but I actually got through at 9.20 and they told me they were full. On Wednesday morning, community pharmacies inundated with calls from people looking to book immunization appointments. Many disappointed, unable to get through. Please be patient. Uh, there's been a lot of pent-up demand and we've had a lot of calls and we're trying our best. Community pharmacies given short notice from the province they would be needed to vaccinate against COVID-19 starting this week. Some of the AstraZeneca supply is set to expire April 3rd. And after federal guidance, the province suspended the priority worker distribution Monday to focus on the 55 to 64-year-olds. Among the scramble, London Drugs booking people early. I wouldn't say it was a breakdown. I just would say that um, it was done quickly. Um, we just have to make sure that uh, moving forward, we do get everybody. More vaccine on the way. 43,000 doses of AstraZeneca set to arrive on Friday from Korea. This will also be distributed by pharmacies. There's way more demand than that. Uh, there will be some people who are in those categories who won't be able to access the vaccine. Anxiousness growing to get the COVID-19 vaccine, but no more than the group age 65 to 72. Not eligible yet for the Pfizer or Moderna age-based program because they are too young and too old to get the AstraZeneca vaccine being doled out at Metro Vancouver pharmacies. The reason why we didn't say 65 to 69 is that those groups are very soon going to be eligible for the Pfizer and Moderna. So we felt that uh, what we would get would be a very inconsistent take-up in that group. But for those watching friends get their vaccination appointments and rolling up their sleeves, it's hard not to feel left out. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And some breaking news in BC's COVID-19 fight. Our numbers crossed 
two new milestones today. We have 1,013 new cases. That is the highest daily case count we have ever hit. And that pushes us across the 100,000 case mark with 7,405 of those cases currently active. 301 people are in hospital, 80 in the ICU. Sadly, three more people have died. And Tuesday was a record day for vaccinations with 31,887 doses administered. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now with more. Keith, the Fraser Health region used to be the hot spot for active cases, but that's changing. Yeah, on a daily basis, both active and just daily cases reporting, we've seen a real surge in Vancouver Coastal and a sort of a flattening in, Van- in Fraser, but still most of the cases in Fraser. So here's an update on the active cases. As I say, there's a surge in one week and how we compare in one week. Fraser continues to have the most active cases, an increase of more than 550 in a week. But Vancouver Coastal is coming on strong in terms of almost tying them now, which was unheard of. Uh, the interior, a bit of an uptick and an even bigger uptick on Vancouver Island and decline in the Northern Health Authority. What's happening here, Sophie, is the positivity rate in Vancouver Coastal is now almost matching the positivity rate in Fraser. It's always been high in Fraser, uh, hovering around 10%, 11%, but now Vancouver Coastal, which used to be around 6%, is now in excess of 10%. And it's hard to see how that positivity number is going to change anytime soon, which means, unfortunately, our high case numbers, around 1,000 or 900, are likely with us for some time because we're still in that two-week period after spring break, the incubation period for the virus. So get used to seeing some pretty high numbers in the next few days. Again, no reason to think it's going to go down dramatically. Everyone brace yourselves. All right, thanks for that, Keith. Well, Whistler Blackcomb is winding down its winter season now. The resort, ordered to temporarily cease operations due to those climbing case counts, will now not reopen until May 21st. As Amadagahi reports, while this is yet another blow to businesses there, many are refocusing their efforts into ensuring a successful summer season. It took a lot of work to clear all the snow off the skate park. A lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears and hands and smiles. Got everyone out in force. But this year it's paying off more than usual. Obviously it was sad news to hear that the mountain was being shut, but luckily we did our last scoopfuls around 10 to 15 minutes after that news. Uh, So we had a reason to smile. After being targeted by the latest round of COVID shutdowns, Whistler Blackcomb is deciding to shift its focus to the summer by closing early for the winter season. Whistler exists to welcome people from the lower mainland and around the world and uh, we look forward to getting back to that on a personal level it means putting away your skis and bringing out your bike but summer operations on the mountain won't start until late may leaving many of the businesses in the village to rely on their neighbors to get them through an extended off season obviously we're all gutted but as a community, we've come through it before, and I think that this time it's not as not as scary. Because this is the second spring of uncertainty. There was a real conscious effort to start buying local, to start eating out more. Um, so I think as a community, we're really, you know, we've been trying our best to club together, which is really, really important. Even with the skis packed up for the winter, those living here say the area will still have a lot to offer. And even if not skateboarding, there's... Lots of bike trails, the hiking is amazing. Just generally getting outside and I think enjoying the weather after we've been cooped up all, all winter. A winter that, despite best efforts, saw the community register more than 1,100 COVID-19 infections between January and late March. Amara Global News.
Now to the fallout from that big party Monday night at a restaurant at the Big White Ski Resort. The restaurant owner has issued a public apology, but as Claudia Van Emmerich reports, that hasn't stopped the resort from taking permanent action. It is a shocking video that has gone viral. A large crowd of people partying at a restaurant at the Big White Ski Resort east of Kelowna. The party was completely out of hand. People weren't wearing their masks, they weren't sitting down, they were dancing on tables, and management was nowhere to be found. So we acted accordingly, we called the RCMP. Appalled at what unfolded at the Charlie Victoria's restaurant Monday night, Big White has taken swift action with the restaurant owner. As of now, we've terminated the lease and we've evicted the tenant. Two current Big White staffers were also fired, but the majority of the partiers in the video were staff who had just hours earlier been laid off after the province announced a ban on all indoor dining for the next three weeks. When the uh, announcement came down at 1 o'clock on Monday, uh, most of the restaurants laid off their staff as of 3 p.m. that day, and, uh, and those were the majority of the people that were in the restaurant. On Wednesday morning, the restaurant's owner, Justin Reed, issued a public apology on social media. In his lengthy statement, Reed said, I take full ownership for this ignorant decision that I made out of pure selfish frustration over the recent announcement regarding COVID restrictions. He goes on to say, I would like to apologize to Big White Ski Resort as they have shown me respect and have welcomed me into their business community during Charlie's first year of operation. And I'm aware and realize what I potentially jeopardized for them. And for that, I'm truly sorry. We accept the honesty of the apology, but it doesn't change uh, the actions that we need to take in order to protect our brand and to, tech, to, to really protect the future of, uh, of the industry up at Big White Ski Resort. RCMP are now reviewing the video footage and will be conducting a full investigation. No violation tickets or charges have been laid at this point. As for Big White and how this event may affect its reputation, Bollingall says he hopes people recognize this was the action of only one business. The majority of the people on the resort and, and, and people that are attending the resort do so in a very safe manner and do so for the love of the sport of skiing and snowboarding. Claudia Van Emmerich, Global News. All right, we have more breaking COVID news to tell you about. Tonight's Canucks game has been cancelled. Squire Barnes joins, uh, joins us with more. They were supposed to play uh, Calgary, and we sort of saw hints that maybe this might happen. Squire. Well, yes, you're right, because yesterday we saw Adam Gaudet uh, test positive for COVID, and they did a second test on his original sample, and it came back positive. This afternoon, the NHL found out that another Canuck player, they're not saying who yet, and a member of the Canucks coaching staff, also not named yet, have also been put into COVID protocol. So that's two players and a coach, and that means tonight's game against the Flames, as you just said, is not going to happen. So now, of course, the question is, aside from who's the extra player and who's the member of the coaching staff who got COVID, is how long do the Canucks as a team go in the quarantine? We saw Montreal miss four games when one of their players came down, another was in contact tracing, and two guys were on the list. So that'll probably be known tomorrow. The NHL will now talk to Canuck doctors and they'll talk to other medical officials that work with the NHL and decide how long the Canucks 
should sit tight before they practice or play again. Mm -hmm. So uh, we know Gaudet, and, and yeah. you were saying unnamed player, unnamed member of the coaching staff. Will we hear any more details from the team about who who those guys might be or you know what happens next yes, or how this it, happened? It, you will. The NHL releases the names. Uh, maybe it'll come out tonight, but we should know by tomorrow all the names. And again, at that point, we should know what the plan is going forward for the Canucks. But as of right now, Consider the Vancouver Canucks on COVID hiatus until further notice. All right. We'll uh, let you find out more and we'll talk to you in a little bit in Sports Squire. Thank you. Okay. Pfizer says its COVID-19 vaccine is 100% effective in kids aged 12 to 15. Those results coming from the company's clinical trial on young kids. The pharmaceutical giant says it will file this data to U.S. regulators in the coming weeks. Pfizer is hoping its shot will be approved for those 12 and older in the U.S. soon. The company says it wants to vaccinate kids in that age group before the start of the new school year. And finally, some clarity around the recommendation for masks and students from grades 4 to 12. Fraser Health officials had issued an order making masks mandatory from grade 4 and up in the Surrey School District over the weekend. And then on Monday, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry expanded that to include students right across the province. Masks are also now strongly recommended for students from kindergarten to grade 3. The BC Teachers Federation has long advocated for mask wearing in schools. Well, while restaurants across the province have been forced to shut down indoor dining, an exemption to the rule is raising eyebrows. BC Ferries is still permitted to serve up meals in their onboard restaurants. Kylie Stanton has more on why this has left ferry staff frustrated. Chairs are stacked and booths empty. This is the state of restaurants across the province after new restrictions came into effect earlier this week. But there is one place you can still dine in. On board a BC ferry. In a memo to staff, it says, We have received confirmation from the provincial health office that our cafeterias are exempt. Limited seating continues to be available, with every other table blocked off to allow for appropriate physical distancing. When you have people that are either getting to or from uh, a sailing, that including the crossing time, might be as long as four hours. Obviously, uh, food and meals are important to people, so that service shouldn't be suspended. It should be continue to be done in a very safe manner. But some staff have a different take. As a catering attendant, I do the same work as pretty well every other restaurant worker. Carl Campbell, who is also a union representative, says this exemption puts employees at risk. For that, they should be treated accordingly. It's a betrayal from the provincial health office. If we're not able to cease operations because of our essential services, we should be vaccinated. Campbell's vessel, the Northern Expedition, has already had a COVID-19 exposure, forcing several staff to self-isolate on board. There was also an outbreak at the Horseshoe Bay Terminal. This restaurant exemption simply adds more leverage. But we do believe that we're being exposed to a high risk and we should be vaccinated. That risk may only increase this coming long weekend. BC Ferries has added sailings to accommodate an uptick in traffic. The bulk of it is expected to be commercial transport, as the public has been warned. They are encouraging, as I am and our government is, is no non-essential travel. But as for the employees on board, they don't have a choice, whether the government deems them essential or not. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Another example of anti-Asian hate. A confrontation with coffee shop staff turns ugly, and now charges have been laid. That's next on the News Hour. 
A stolen kitten caper that includes a happy ending and an unusual twist. That's coming up on the news hour. And later, the push for a Winter Olympic replay. Why some say hosting the Games again is exactly what BC needs. Right now, though, another hateful anti-Asian outburst has been caught on camera, this time in Richmond. The female staff member says she was only asking the customers to respect physical distancing rules, and instead the pair lashed out. And as Nadia Stewart reports, it's just one of several recent incidents victimizing Asian women. It all started when the manager of this Richmond coffee shop asked two customers who entered the store to abide by COVID-19 rules. This after the man seen here in this video took a table and chairs, setting it up where they pleased. After multiple requests, the store manager who asked that we conceal her identity says the couple became angry. So the guy stand up and put the coffee on the ground and then followed by the uh, lady. But as they were both leaving, when the lady passed by me, pulled a leftover cup to my face and said something like, f*** you Chinese, those kind of things. The confrontation was caught on camera and it continued outside as Nikki followed the couple to their car. She called police, who, using their license plate number, tracked them down, arresting the woman. They're still investigating the circumstances around it. Once they have uh, determined there's enough for a charge, they will forward uh, recommendation to Crown. According to Nikki, the man involved was captured on video in a similar incident in 2019. This comes as Richmond RCMP say they are seeing an increase in incidents like this. It's a similar case in Vancouver. On Monday evening, an East Asian woman was assaulted. This same man allegedly pulled her by the hair and threw her to the ground. And a young Asian woman working at the H Mart on University Boulevard near UBC was assaulted over the weekend. She was throwing the garbage out. There's a stranger came by and just all of a sudden he punched on her face and her stomach uh, without any given reason. And, uh, he, and he was just leave the site after and staying awards. This incident is under investigation. But Choi says this has to stop now. I really hope that like any hate crime against Asian has to be stopped right away. Nadia Stewart, Global News. RCMP are asking for the public's help to identify a man who assaulted a pregnant woman in Surrey. And they have his picture. Police say the woman was visiting a bank at 102 Avenue and King George Boulevard in Wally. A man approached her from behind and pushed her to the ground. It happened just after 11.30 a.m. on March 23rd. She was rushed to hospital and luckily suffered only minor injuries. RCMP released this photo of the suspect, a white man who was wearing dark pants at the time. This is very concerning, um, particularly because uh, this victim was visibly pregnant at the time that she was assaulted. Um, so that's why we are now appealing to the public in hopes of identifying this man so that we can further this investigation. Police say this appears to have been an unprovoked assault. They're not releasing any details about the victim. Anyone with more information is asked to call Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. A Canada-wide warrant has been issued for a man convicted of manslaughter in the death of another man at a downtown Vancouver Costco. 61-year-old Thomas Toth failed to show for his sentencing hearing on March 5th 
and is now wanted. Toth is white, six feet, two inches tall, and about 250, 250 pounds. He was convicted in an altercation where he pushed an 86-year-old man who later died of his injuries. Anyone who sees Toth or knows of his whereabouts is asked to call 911. Still ahead, charges against a suspected arsonist. He's getting into a black van. How this video will play a crucial part in the court case. And Meals on the Go, a local catering company, pivots to survive the pandemic. Crews are still on scene to this police incident here in Vancouver. It's affecting eastbound traffic on Grandview Highway just east of Renfrew. Only the left lane is able to get by. Today's Lotto 649 jackpot is an estimated $9 million plus an additional guaranteed $1 million prize. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a police incident in Vancouver. Charges have now been laid in connection with one of three fires deliberately set at Metro Vancouver Masonic Halls. And disturbing posts on a social media account bearing the name of the accused might provide insight to a motive. John Hua has the details. 4474 uh, Rupert Street. He just set the building on fire. An arson suspect seemingly caught red-handed. He's getting into a black van. Or at least captured on cell phone video holding a red jerry can. Just steps from a fire at a Masonic Hall in East Vancouver Tuesday morning. But, but yeah, we do need a fire department. The building is on fire. A Vancouver police officer confronts the suspect. And he is now fighting back with the... Uh... But eventually he's able to drive away only to be later arrested in Burnaby. So today charges have been approved against Benjamin Coleman uh, for one count of arson and one count of assault police officer. The investigation is still ongoing, tracing back to a possible arson spree, targeting two other Mason Halls in North Vancouver. Around 6.45 Tuesday morning, the first fire on Lynn Valley Road. 15 minutes later, another on Lonsdale. That Masonic Center completely gutted by flame. The regalia, the photographs, uh, stuff that is just irre irreplaceable. They're devastated over there right now. They're grieving. A social media account bearing Coleman's name updated with this post shortly after the fires were set. I just cleaned three satanic clubhouses and nobody could do anything. NASA, the fakest. Other posts question the moon landing, terrorist attacks on 9-11. Another connects Freemasonry to COVID-19 vaccines being used to implant nanotech spy technology. The Grand Lodge of British Columbia knows nothing of Mr. Coleman. We've never had any interaction with him. More charges are expected in relation to the North Vancouver arson. North Vancouver RCMP hasn't completed their, their package to Crown yet, so we anticipate that charges will be approved next week. The 42-year-old remains in custody until his next court appearance on April 6th. We've been here for 150 years, and... We, we've never seen anything like this before. While still reeling from the loss of so much of their history, the Freemasons vow to move forward and rebuild. John Hua, Global News. Lynn Valley Library has reopened its doors following Saturday's fatal stabbing. The building, which had become a crime scene, has been shut since the weekend. The entrance of the library has been flooded with flowers a growing memorial to the victims of Saturday's attack. As staff welcome people back inside the library today, they hope it will help the community begin the healing process. It's so important to not let this event define us and to show the community that we're here and, and that we're 
we're open and we're welcoming of people. It's It's been a pretty emotional day, a number of days actually, but it's emotional today and very, very joyous actually to welcome back the community. Really happy that we're taking these this milestone step towards normalcy. A woman in her 20s died in the attack. Six others were injured. 28-year-old Yannick Vandalgo is charged with second-degree murder. A sad update to a collision in Vancouver earlier this month. A senior struck by a vehicle near Olympic Village on March 4th has now died. Vancouver police are looking to speak with witnesses and anyone with dash cam footage of the incident as they work to piece together exactly what happened. It's believed a white Chevrolet Silverado pickup truck collided with the 73-year-old woman who was riding a mobility scooter. She was knocked to the ground and hit her head. Investigators believe witnesses likely thought the crash was minor at the time, but three weeks later, the senior succumbed to head injuries in hospital over the weekend. The driver is cooperating with police. It was almost a month ago now, so the days were shorter. Um, it's, it was 7 o'clock at night, so as you can see behind me, the intersection is, uh, is quite busy. Uh, and at the time that this happened, we, there were a lot of people passing through the area, both pedestrians, vehicles, cyclists, uh, people living in the area. So there are likely a number of people who saw what happened, uh, who probably didn't stick around to speak to police, and we'd like to hear from those people now. It is Vancouver's fourth pedestrian death of the year. Still ahead, reigniting winter Olympic passion. The real advantage is there's no cost to build facilities. Why those who want to bid on the 2030 Games say the timing might never be better. Also coming up, happiness through knitting. One of the many ways to manage stress during this pandemic. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, brought to you in part by the BCTF, our kids and their teachers worth investing in. Traffic is steady here tonight in both directions at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Keep in mind, though, overnight maintenance causes lane closures between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. The push to bring the Winter Olympics back to B.C. in 2030 is gaining some traction, with proponents saying it could give B.C. a much-needed economic boost. Ted Chernecki reports on how the city of Vancouver views it and why the Games would be much different than in 2010. Eleven years ago, this place was all abuzz. The world watched as Olympic athletes dangled their skill and speed. Could it happen again? Could the Olympic rings shine bright once more and bring BC back onto the world stage? Thank you for calling Vancouver 2030. There is a surprisingly organized approach to do just that. The 2030 Games would be very different than 2010. Vancouver Council spent most of today looking at staff reports and the possibilities of hosting the Games again, but decided more study is needed. The real advantage is there's no cost to build facilities. We have them. Why would we not use them if we already have them? The message John Furlong wants to drive home is this can be done strictly using corporate sponsorship. No taxpayer money. But a member of a BC family with a long history of participating in the Olympics isn't buying it. It'd be very exciting if John Furlong could pull this off, and this would be the first time in the history of the Olympics that that happened. 
but I just don't buy it, largely because of Furlong's record with the last Olympics, which was supposed to be revenue neutral. Furlong agrees that security would still have to be paid by the taxpayer, and in 2010, that bill came in at around a billion dollars. But Furlong says in its bid, Calgary found ways to secure the games at a much lower cost. And because the 2030 bid will involve the private sector in funding the running of the games, Furlong believes this could be just the opportunity BC's looking for. But the games typically in every country in the world cause governments to come together to solve big problems. We know here that we have a social housing issue. We know that we have transportation challenges. So the games, as they did last time, could bring partners together to look at this through the lens. The games are coming. Maybe we can solve some of these big issues at the same time. These games will be regional, with competition happening in many other parts of the province. Just as well, because remember in 2010 how we had to truck snow into Cypress Bowl? Well, with climate change, who knows if there'll be any snow in the local hills by then. Ted Chernacki, Global News. The University of BC has announced it will bestow honorary degrees this spring on two very well-known women. UBC will honor BC Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry and renowned climate activist Greta Thunberg. The university says the two have served as leading voices in two of the most significant crises ever the global pandemic and climate change. Dr. Henry will receive her degree from UBC Vancouver. Thunberg will receive hers from UBC Okanagan. A total of 18 people will receive honorary degrees. Well, the renewal of COVID-19 restrictions is making already stressed British Columbians even more anxious. Aaron MacArthur has the latest on soaring rates of mental health issues, what experts say we can do to fight back, and how one woman suggests we knit our way through it. For Becky Stewart, knitting has always brought a sense of calm, especially now during the pandemic. So much so, she's launched a website, Knit Ohm. For the next month, she's offering people a chance to pearl their energy into knitting. Anxiety can feel like you don't have control, and especially during COVID. Knitting can be a, something you can put in your hands and actually physically feel, and you can feel in control. A decline in overall mental health has tracked COVID-19 almost exactly. Psychologists call it the echo pandemic. Some estimates suggest as many as 40% of all adults have dealt with significant psychological health challenges over the last year. The one thing that has kept people going was the hope that all of this was coming to an end soon. This week's latest round of restrictions has hit especially hard. When we expect that things are going to change, that kind of helped us ride through the challenging times. And now for many of us, it almost feels like we've been blindsided. With everything from restaurants to churches off limits, the outdoors has given so many people an outlet. But like everything else during the pandemic, nature hasn't always been available to everyone equally. I think there are pockets of really good work happening in different communities. But the fact that we can't have um, kind of a stable, predictable service response with mental health is uh, magnifying where the inequities are. Despite this recent setback, the end really is in sight. We all just need to hang on to something a little bit longer. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Still to come, making meals on the go. Ten burgers perfect. When COVID hit, how this local caterer went back to the kitchen to reinvent itself. See you, Doran. 
Also tonight, a new deal for Thatcher Demko that makes the Canucks goalie a rich man. There are still questions that need to be answered here. This was a high-risk, high-reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. How do you grow as a human being if you're not going to open your ears and listen? You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The Mars rover has snapped an out-of-this-world selfie. NASA's Curiosity Mars rover posed for this pic on the Red Planet earlier this month. It shows Mont Mercou, a rock outcrop that stands 20 feet tall. The panorama pic is made up of 60 images from the camera on the rover's robotic arm. An update tonight on the search for five young kittens who were stolen from a home in Abbotsford early yesterday morning. One kitten has been reunited with its mother this afternoon. Where's mommy? The 10-day-old kitten was found and brought to the BCSBCA. The kitten and its four siblings were stolen, along with some valuables from the home. When news broke about the theft, some orphan kittens were brought to the home to be taken care of by the mother cat, who is named Mittens. We don't know where they are, so they can be in the cold overnight. Yeah. And I can't even stand outside five minutes, so I don't understand how the cats are going to do that. They have no feeding. They can't eat anything, so they're going to starve. And just in general, they're away from their mom and they're 10 days old. Oh, and we've just learned from Abbotsford police. The other four kittens have also been found safe and sound. The break and enter is still under investigation, and anyone with tips on the suspect is asked to call police. All right, let's get to Christy. Strange news. Who steals kittens? All right, Christy, let's move on to the weather, weather so forecast sad. and a beautiful day out there today. That's right. So uh, March was in like a lamb and out like a lamb. Pretty nice for everyone, that's for sure. And we're going to have a look at the stats for March. I just wanted, quickly wanted to show you the cloud cover we're starting to see now. And that's indicative of what we're going to experience tomorrow. But first, here's a quick look at March that we had. Uh, in terms of precipitation, we did start off with just a trace on the first day of March. But overall, it was a very nice day, thus in like a lamb. Uh, you can see a lot of zeros there and not heavy precipitation on any one day necessarily. So when we tally things up, we actually had 36.6 millimeters of rain unofficially because we're still sort of getting the official tallies up till midnight tonight. But overall, we're looking at only 25, sorry, 29% of the total average of what we would typically see this month. So a very dry March and we didn't have any snowfall. And in terms of temperature, you likely felt it. Overall, we were cooler than average, but not by much. 0.6 degrees below average. Uh, so you could potentially say we were near average in terms of temperature. Now, tonight, as I mentioned, that cloud cover starting to push in now. We've got a weak cold front that's going to swing down across the province, weakening as it does. It is going to kick up gusty winds and through the interior region, and for our region, we'll see more cloud cover. Now, in terms of precipitation, though, yeah, we do have a chance of showers, but it's not much. Sort of one of those days where you just need to bring a rain jacket, maybe stuff it in your bag, because uh, you may need
need it just in case. But overall, we're talking about a 30 to 40 percent chance of showers, not only tomorrow, but Friday. So sunshine in through the interior, gusty conditions there. For our region, though, certainly more cloud cover expected. I am expecting the potential for some breaks of blue sky, but overall mainly cloudy tomorrow with that 40 percent chance of showers. Now, Friday looks a little bit drier still, so not a bad day on Friday. This weekend, though, is still looking a little unsettled and uncertain. So when you, it comes to your long weekend weather, and in particular your Easter Sunday, make sure you keep tuning back in and we'll get more details on that. But right now we have a chance of showers, especially through the early part of Sunday. It looks drier later on. Here's your central windows weather window for today. A murmuration, I think I'm saying that correctly, Sophie, but a beautiful shot. This was this morning's sunrise in Ladner. Thank you to Rob McLean for that one. The coolest shot there with the, the birds like that in the sunrise. I don't know if you could hear it through my microphone, but someone just sneezed in the newsroom and it was very loud. So Gesundheit. <laughs> I did hear it. Did you hear that? I hope was they were wearing their mask. Out in the yeah. newsroom. And as one of our producers uh, reminded me, who steals kittens? A cat burglar, of course. Thank you, Sorrel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Squire. Uh, yeah, big news for the Canucks and not of the good kind. No, but um, actually, you know what, Soph? Mm-hmm. There is good news for the Canucks, yes, too. But uh, the bad news, of course, is COVID. And we'll talk all about that. No game tonight against Calgary. The good news is, before that announcement, they signed Thatcher Demko to a new five-year contract. So we'll talk about that as well. All right. Thank you, Squire. Also tonight, a big helping of success for a catering company hit hard by COVID. You know, just when we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and vaccinations are starting to happen, new restrictions, more than a thousand new cases, the Canucks are shut down tonight and who knows for how long. I know. And they're not the only uh, BC hockey team. No, Kelowna Rockets as well. But we'll start with the Canucks. They are now on a COVID-19 hiatus and they won't play again until the NHL says it's okay to play. Tonight's game with the Calgary Flames has been postponed. And the reason is... The Canucks had another player, aside from Adam Gaudet, test positive and also a member of their coaching staff test positive for COVID-19. At the moment, the NHL has not said who that extra player that tested positive is and which member of the coaching staff has tested positive. They eventually will tell us who they are. Um, They also need to figure out how long the Canucks will have to be out of action before they are allowed to practice and play a game. Recently, of course, the Montreal Canadiens went through this and they had four games postponed because of their COVID curfew. Every player aside from Gaudette was at practice this morning, including Jake Vertanen, who didn't practice the other day because he wasn't feeling well. Again, we don't know who the latest positive test is, but the Canucks went through their pregame paces as usual until the NHL gave them word late this afternoon that tonight's game had been called off. The Canucks, as we just said, now the second Canadian-based team to have this problem, with Montreal being the first. So the NHL will talk to medical officials, both with the Canucks and around the league, and figure out what the plan is for Vancouver going forward. Now, before all of this came out, the news that the Canucks had signed 
Goaltender Thatcher Demko to a new five-year, $25 million deal came out. For a goalie who's becoming one of the better young net miners in the NHL, this is a very good contract for the Vancouver Canucks. Much better than the alternative, which was to sign Jacob Markstrom last offseason to the kind of deal he got from Calgary, which was six years for $36 million. And he's six years older than Demko. So the Demko deal is better for the Vancouver Canucks. But when you think about it, this all came about essentially because of the way Demko played in last year's playoffs against Vegas. That changed Vancouver's thinking about who the number one goalie would be going forward. Smith down the ice, he beats Pedersen the net, and again it's Demko with a stop. Three games last September changed Thatcher Demko and the Canucks' future together. His performance against Vegas in games five, six, and seven, which Travis Green recently said, might have been the best three games of hockey I've seen out of a goalie in a row. Demko made 123 saves in those three games. It even had the Vegas players singing his praises. But most of all, it got Canucks management thinking that if they re-signed Jacob Markstrom long-term, they would lose Thatcher Demko. In order to keep Demko, they had to let Markstrom go. And the decision looks to be the right one. The only reason the Canucks have any hope left for a playoff spot is because of the play of Demko. He was Vancouver's second-round draft pick in the 2014 draft. He came from Boston College. That's the draft where the Canucks took Jake Vertanen and Jared McCann in the first round. Those two didn't work out as planned, but Demko sure did. But that's not the only signing, of course, the Canucks have to make. Demko has been signed five years, yet to be signed Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Those two are going to get big money and long-term contracts as well. But when you think of it, the Canucks right now are not in a bad spot as far as a young core is concerned. Pettersson, Hughes, Horvat, Besser, and Thatcher Demko. Well, we mentioned the Canucks, and earlier we mentioned the Kelowna Rockets. They have stopped all team activities for at least two weeks because four players and two members of the staff have tested positive for COVID-19. So the Rockets games between now and April 15th have all been postponed. Hopefully they'll be made up at a later date. But tonight's game between the Giants and PG also postponed. This is just precautionary because Vancouver played Kelowna on the weekend. So big news down uh, the I-5 in Seattle. We mentioned Thatcher Demko got a deal. The Seahawks opened up the wallets for wide receiver Tyler Lockett. He signed a new four-year deal worth almost $70 million, and $37 million of it is guaranteed. 28 years old, coming off a solid season where he recorded career highs and receptions. He also had 10 touchdowns to go with more than 1,000 yards and receiving his second straight year hitting that mark. He's played six seasons with Seattle, and in the last three, he's really become one of Russell Wilson's favorite targets, especially in the end zone catching 28 majors for the Seahawks. And finally, it is opening day for Major League Baseball tomorrow. So why not take a look at the odds? The Dodgers are the favorites at 7-2. There you see the Yankees at 11-2. San Diego, 9-1. The Blue Jays, most experts think they will make the playoffs. They are at 16-1. One thing about the Blue Jays, though, they're going to have to start the season without their big offseason signing George Springer, he still has an oblique strain, shouldn't be that serious, he shouldn't miss many games. And also pitcher Robbie Ray has an elbow bruise and he won't start the season. The Seattle Mariners are in at 80 
to one. There you go. <laughs> All right. Jada Rant finds that entertaining. <laughs> poor Mariners, poor Mariners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophie will have video of those kittens in Abbotsford that were reunited with their owner just an hour ago after being stolen. We'll hear from the owner who now has 11 cats. Plus, we'll have a reaction to today's shocking COVID numbers topping 1,000 cases. Could it lead to further restrictions? We'll have those stories and more coming up tonight at 11, Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jay. Up next, hungry for business during the pandemic. How a catering company is serving up something new. Well, they usually feed hundreds of grateful guests at weddings and other big events, but many catering companies have been starved for business during the pandemic. Catherine Urquhart shows us how one caterer's creative solution is enabling him to continue safely providing a feast for the masses. This here is our uh, vegetarian stuffing that goes with our full turkey dinner. Chef Stu McLeod happily portions off a batch of Easter dinners. Looking forward to uh, having a nice turkey dinner this uh this Easter weekend. Hey Meg, do we have the uh, meals on the go ready for pickup today? The Surrey father of four is grateful he's still in business after COVID-19 restrictions brought his Ritz catering company to a dead stop. We've had to let our drivers go um, and also all my serving staff, we haven't seen them for over a year. Laying off six people was tough, and losing income from catering up to 60 weddings a year was daunting. But McLeod was determined to stay afloat. Last March, he came up with a plan, meals to go. We brought back uh, nice comfort food that people want to see very easily, fully cooked. You take them home, you heat them up, 350, 20 minutes, and uh, yeah, everyone's just been raving about them. This here is our slow roasted oven barbecue pulled pork and then we put it on top of our homemade mac and cheese it's got three cheeses in there mcleod's business which is located on the langley bypass in surrey is now booming and he is very thankful i just really want to thank everybody all my customers and all my uh you know my family and my 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 support that i've had throughout the last year it's been absolutely tremendous without all of you we wouldn't be where we are today you guys got tara's order we did We'll get through this. It's, uh, the industry has taken a, a huge hit. Um, we'll get through it and uh, hopefully we'll be stronger for it. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. That's the spirit. Who doesn't love a great sandwich? <laughs> I know. I actually just ordered a sandwich for dinner tonight. Do you object to people having sandwiches for dinner? Because no. some people do. No. 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 Of course not. You can even have breakfast for dinner. It's all, yes. It's all That's true. good. I yep. do that sometimes too. <laughs> Yes, we're hungry. All right, almost time for our dinner. Christy, you get the final word. Thanks. So so we are going to see a change tomorrow, more cloud cover. It's not going to be a soaker, but you might want to bring a rain jacket just in case that kind of a day and into Friday also. I'm going to have a sandwich and Rice Krispies for dinner. Like Rice Krispies squares or Rice Krispies (laughs) cereal? No, it all depends on the person who's cooking. (laughs) All right, everyone, enjoy your dinner. (laughs) Have a good night. (laughs) 